exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. Ladies and gentlemen, happy Memorial Day to everybody out there. It is a scorcher outside, so whether you're at the beach or just laying out barbecuing, make sure to have that sunblock on. This is one of the highest recorded Memorial Day temperatures that we have had in a long time. So again, I hope everyone out there is having a great time. Again, whether it's at the beach, if you're out at the pool, that is great to hear. A gorgeous day. And we've had a long, long weekend of great sports. A lot to talk about on this Monday. I will be doing this show solo today. Megan is out of town as well as Alex. So I have the reins. So I figured since I missed last week, I was back home spending some time with my daughter. But I am back this week. Had a great time last week with my daughter. And then I'm going to the Detroit Zoo. Definitely check that out if you would like a great time at the Detroit Zoo. And for everyone out there, and I think we can all respect and, of course, appreciate the importance of today. And uh, what I would like to say first is really... Thanks, and uh, really, um, you know, God bless every veteran that has given their life for this country. Um, I don't really care what war it was for, or even if it was for a war, but I really do want to thank and uh, honor every veteran that we have out there that did give their lives, man or woman, for this country. And for that, I want to have 15 seconds of silence for all the veterans that have given their lives up for this country so that we can do what we like to do, and that is have a free country. And those 15 seconds will start now. And we are back. And yes, that was for all of the veterans that have given their lives for this country, a very important day in America. And we are now going to jump into sports. Obviously a tough transition from what we were just speaking about. But there was a big weekend this week in sports and the last week. We're going to talk about Tigers baseball. And really, who is your MVP to this point in the season with the Detroit Tigers? Tigers now 23-25 and 25, uh, today after losing to the Boston Red Sox. Uh, game one of a four-game series against the Red Sox. Tigers losing 7-4 to four in a game that is a little controversial going back to the second inning. We will get into that. But who is your MVP? to this point of the season. Is it Justin Verlander, Miguel Cabrera, Austin Jackson, even though he is on the disabled list? Who is your guy? We'll get into that. We're also going to talk about Nick Fairley. Nick Fairley, a man that is someone very familiar with the law quite recently, being arrested two days ago for his, his second arrest in two months. He was arrested on DUI suspicion, eluding police, also no proof of insurance. We're going to talk about Nick Fairley. This is his second arrest in two months. His first arrest came about a month prior, marijuana possession. Both of these uh, arrests taking place in Mobile, Alabama. What do we need to do with this guy? Should we suspend him from the team? Should we kick him off the team? Or do we give him one more chance? 
We're also going to talk about the NBA playoffs. Conference finals kicked off last night with the San Antonio Spurs taking on the Oklahoma City Thunder. Spurs taking game one of that series. uh, The Eastern Conference finals will kick off tonight with the Boston Celtics facing off against the Miami Heat. Now, who do you have going to the NBA finals? It's going to be two pretty good series, I believe. Very contested series. Who do you have going? And just as well, who would you be most disappointed to see win the NBA championship this year? What team do you want to see least hoist that trophy? We'll also talk about the NHL playoffs. It's all been set up between the New Jersey Devils and the Los Angeles Kings. A number eight seed versus a number six seed. Who would have thought, even in hockey, to have a six versus eight seed? And my question to all of our listeners, are you interested in that series? Um, does that pique any interest in, in, uh, you know, in your, as a hockey fan? And we'll also talk a little Indy 500. Dario Franchitti wins his third Indy 500. Roger Federer makes a historic mark today at the French Open in the first round. The phone number is 517-432-3893 is the number. You can t- call an all-show and talk about whatever we're talking about, okay? Give us a call. I would love to hear what you guys got to say. But we are going to start with the Detroit Tigers. Now, the Detroit Detroit Tigers had a tough week last week, to say the least. They had a day off Monday and then started a very pivotal three-game series with the Cleveland Indians. Cleveland Indians, of course, the team that is leading the American League Central at this time. So it was going to be a good spot for the Tigers to be able to get a little bit back, to get something back, get them a little bit closer to catching the Indians and catching the Chicago White Sox. Well, the Detroit Tigers get swept by the Cleveland Indians Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Even Justin Verlander didn't have enough to stop the Cleveland Indians. That game on Thursday, Tigers losing 2-1 to in a very well-pitched game from Justin Verlander. But yet again, the bats not there whatsoever. And with that, the Tigers had fallen six games back in the American League Central. Obviously, a little something to be a little more worried about than when we were talking about three games back. I've been the proponent of saying it's too early to worry about this team. In a lot of ways, I still believe that. I don't think that we can get too shaken up from one series to the next because this is baseball. It's a 162-game season. There's a lot that is going to happen still. We're still not even in the month of June yet, ladies and gentlemen. A lot of things can happen. But with the Tigers' very pathetic performance, to say the least, against the Cleveland Indians, got me starting to scratch my head. What is it going to take for this team to win back-to-back games? What's it going to take for this team to finally string a few together and get on a decent roll? Whether it's offensively, whether it's pitching, but when are these things going to click at the same time? Well, the Tigers had a shot to make up for that pathetic Cleveland series, and they traveled to Minnesota starting on Friday to face off against the Minnesota Twins, and the Tigers did not disappoint in that. Tigers starting the series off on Friday, getting a nice 10-6 win against Minnesota. On Saturday, we were hoping for that first back-to-back. Hasn't happened since April 17th, April 18th. Will the Tigers finally get it done behind Max Scherzer? Scherzer throwing nine strikeouts, no walks from Detroit pitching on Saturday in a very nice 6-3 to win. There was a rain delay in this game that ended up taking Scherzer out of it, but Octavio Dotel came in, did a great job. Jim Leland saying that he was actually most impressed with Octavio Dotel in being able to come in there after a long rain delay and lock down the Minnesota Twins batters. First back-to-back win in five weeks. Five weeks. It's crazy to think about. A team that has been really 
put aboard the top of the AL Central preseason, a dominant front runner, to run away with the American League Central. Not too often do you have a team be touted as highly as that and not win back-to-back games. But they finally did get that done there on Saturday against Minnesota, the team that is the bottom dweller of the American League Central. So we go to Sunday. Sunday, a game where you're going to think, can the Tigers finally sweep a series? We haven't seen it in forever. We have not seen the Tigers do this in a long time. But the Tigers, in a ninth inning comeback, a game, quite frankly, I would not say, I would not be proud of the performance of the Detroit Tigers in this game. A game where they left 10-plus men on base yet again. Really, in my opinion, being one of the alien woes of the Detroit Tigers to be able to load the bases to be able to put guys in that scoring position and not be able to blow innings open and get guys home when they need to. It's been a struggle all season for this team. We can say hitting, you can say pitching, and yes, some of those things are true, but it's timely hitting to me. It's timely hitting where this team has runners on, but they ended the game. The box score doesn't show it in the score. Tigers didn't score over three runs in that whole series against the Indians. It's not acceptable. They have to do better than that. Luckily enough, though, behind Quentin Berry getting on base, who we'll talk about in a minute, who's been a great addition to this team since Austin Jackson was put on the 15-day disabled list, Miguel Cabrera hits a two-run knock in the top of the ninth inning to give the Tigers the go-ahead lead 4-3, to three, and the Tigers hold on behind Valverde. Miguel Cabrera now leading the team nine home runs, 40 RBIs, 40 RBIs is second in Major League Baseball, in the American League, excuse me, behind Josh Hamilton. Miguel Cabrera doing a great job there. Unfortunately, it did have to take some ninth inning heroics for us to get that win, but that is a sweep. And that is a sweep, and I will take that sweep any day. Tigers bring themselves back to within three games of the Indians due to the Chicago White Sox beating up on the Cleveland Indians in their three-game series, sweeping the Indians. So now we move on to today, a tough series against the Boston Red Sox. Doug Fister on the mound, who has looked pretty exquisite in most of his outings, has not had much run support. In his five starts before today, only nine combined runs in five games for Doug Fister, which is not a lot. Kind of sounds like a Tim Lincecum, Chicago, San, uh, San Francisco Giants type of run support while he's pitching. Just not getting it there for him. And the Tigers... Start off the game quite decently. It's a one-to-one game in this bottom of the second inning. Boston and Detroit going back and forth, trading little blows. And an inning that should have been over, should have been over, ends up not being over. The ball that was tipped, this was two outs left in the bottom of the second inning. A ball was tipped into Gerald Laird's glove. The umpire, though, says it was not tipped into the glove, says it hit the ground before Jared Laird catches the ball, which extends the inning and allows the Boston Red Sox to score three more runs in this inning. This, this calls for Gene Lamont and Jim Leland to get ejected due to this call, and the Tigers really never bounce back after that inning, down 4-1 to one, and then 5-1. to one. Tigers do bring it back to 5-2, to do, uh, five to two, excuse me, which was very good. Uh, they get a late, late inning in the ninth, a two-run shot from Johnny Peralta, which is a little good to see since Johnny has been struggling very bad right now, but still not enough. Tigers lose 7-4. to four. Detroit now three and a half games back of the Cleveland Indians. Chicago getting another win today. Chicago has won eight straight games. They are 9-1 in their last 10. White Sox playing very, very good and very controlled baseball. 
White Sox dominating their opponents, whether it's through the uh, through the with the bats or with pitching. So you really have to give a lot of credit there to Chicago. Chicago again won today. Cleveland right now is winning as well. Cleveland up eight to five. If they win, they will remain a half game ahead of the Chicago White Sox. So again, let me ask you guys out there: Who is your MVP? Who is it right now? Is it Justin Verlander at five and two on the season? ERA a little over two. His whip still lowest in the American League, dominating most pitching categories. Or is it Miguel Cabrera, nine home runs, 40 RBIs? Or is it someone like Austin Jackson, who has been a cog in this team? He has been the machine of getting on base, batting 331, a 958 OPS, being patient at the plate, already drawing 20 walks on the season. He has more walks than Cabrera. That's Austin Jackson we're talking about right now. Has more walks than Miguel Cabrera. Who is your MVP on this Detroit Tigers squad? Phone number is 517-432-3893 is the phone number. And again, if anyone hears me, I'm I'm, I'm a little stuffy. I still have a cold. I got it for my daughter. I cannot completely get over it. So if you hear me hacking up a a lung or sniffing a little bit, don't worry about it. I will not die on the air. I might just need a drink of water just to forewarn everyone out there. But the Detroit Tigers do still have three more games against the Boston Red Sox. It's going to be a long, hard-fought series. This is not going to be an easy series for the Detroit Tigers. They are going to have to play tough baseball. Boston, a team that had the same record coming in today as us, 23-24. and About six games back in the American League. Actually, they are, they were off, they're five games back now, excuse me, behind Baltimore. But Boston has been playing a lot better baseball. Boston right now, 6-4 and four in their last 10 games. Starting to figure out a little bit more. The, battings, the bats are coming around. The pitching not really there at all when it comes to the pitching for the Boston Red Sox. Except today, Dubron did a good job. I think Dubron was out there, and I think he really looked well. He looked, he looked really good out on the mound. And we do have to give him credit for that. I think this team was honestly shaken after the, the terrible call that we see behind home plate. For the Detroit Tigers. I don't know how in any way an ump. And not only to mention one umpire. But the third base umpire as well. Missing a ball being tipped directly. Into Gerald Laird's glove. I don't see how you can botch. A call like that. Something that is so obvious. Something that is so key. So simple. That's a basic call. You're going to make every game. And yet now what happens. The the, The inning is extended. And before you know it, three more runs are tacked onto the board. Unacceptable in my eyes from the umpires. But we are going to go to the call. Uh, we're going to go to the phone lines right now. Hey, how you doing? You're on the Spartan Sports Wrap. Hey, good afternoon. This is Paul calling from Detroit. How you doing today? Good. How you doing, Paul? Not bad. Not bad. Thank you. It's great to hear. So, uh, who is your MVP for the Tigers to this point in the season? Oh boy. Uh... Probably nobody. <laughs> <laughs> not a, not a soul, huh? No. Um, you know what? I think I think Austin Jackson before he uh, landed on the disabled list, he was uh, getting on base frequently, and like you had mentioned, he has he's had he's had all those walks, and he was, he's batting over three hundred, and he was almost like a catalyst, you know, getting on base, and and uh, ever since he's been gone, I mean. We just have a hard time. The Tigers have a hard time scoring runs, and and I and I feel that we get sometimes some good pitching, maybe from Verlander, uh, Fister. Last couple outings, what he only let up a, a one or two runs per game, and we can't score more than two runs. I mean, we we've, we've just had a hard time scoring runs, and and 
uh, maybe the Tigers need to play more small ball. Maybe they need to move guys over, uh, you know, maybe drop a bunt down once in a while. A couple of games ago, they had guys on first and second base. I think those uh, we were uh, either tied or one run down, and I said just move the, the – they didn't even try to bunt to move the, 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 the runners over, but they ended up winning that game. But uh-huh. I think that was against Minnesota. But, uh, I mean, Minnesota, they're the doormat of the league. I mean – Pretty much. Was, yeah, they were playing a little bit tougher Red Sox team, and look what happened today. I didn't. I missed the game today, but uh, uh, but we ended up losing that. Yeah, we lost that, and like I said, I mean, uh, it wasn't a good. Uh, you know, the foreshadowing there from the bottom of the second on after they attacked on three runs when the inning honestly should have been over does not help when you're on the road against a team like the Red Sox. Even though they are last in the American League East, they're still a team never to look over when you are playing them. So if Austin Jackson is your guy. Who do you have the most complaints about on this team? Whether it's a pitcher, whether it's you know a batter, who, who do you have as you just you've been that disappointed into this point of the season? Well, there's a there's a handful. There's a handful. I know that. <laughs> I mean, I could. A Rayburn comes to mind. Uh, he's one a guy that uh, was he batting one twenty something or he's batting one forty six right now. One forty six, and you know I'm a little disappointed with Fielder to be honest. Um, how many home runs does he have? Six. I mean, Fielder uh, right now, uh, he pretty much uh, Fielder has five home runs at uh, up to no seven home runs. Excuse me, up to this point, he has seven home runs. I mean, he's getting singles, but they're paid. They 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 paid him a lot of money to uh, hit home runs and to drive drive runs drive runs home and clear the bases. And uh, I think Cabrera's outperformed Fielder, and uh, and yeah, I would say uh, Cabrera would probably probably be my other choice for. Uh, uh, most valuable player for the Tigers up to this point, uh, of course, Justin Verlander. What is he? Five and two. Five and two, and I mean that second loss he had came in that two to one loss on Thursday against the Twins. Where I'm sorry if your team can't put up more than two runs for your starting pitcher, then that's just pathetic. I never thought this this offense would struggle like this. I mean, we started the season we were scoring runs off with in the Boston series. Everybody was seemed to be hitting the cover off the ball, and then. As the season progressed, we've just been in like a drought for scoring. And uh, but you know what? I'm predi- I still I, I've said this before the season started. Uh, I predict the Tigers to win the division. Uh, we're in striking distance, and it's all that matters right now. I think we're going to turn it around. We have. Uh, I really believe we still have the pitching staff to do it with Fister, Verlander, as long as they're healthy. Also uh, Scherzer and Purcell, a little bit of a question mark, but. Um, I still think this team can do it. I really have confidence, although the White Sox, uh, boy, oh, boy, they're playing some good ball right now. Yeah, they're playing some really good baseball, and, you know, it's a long season. And I, I know I say that a lot of times, but it really is. this yeah. team. I said, like, last year, if you look back last year at the Detroit Tigers, this team had no more than a two- to three-game lead even even at the start of August. And then they cracked it wide open and win the division by 15 games. <laughs> so... In baseball, it, I think it, it is, you know, it's a series of runs, meaning, you know, I mean, you know, you're playing these, okay, three-game series, a four-game series, you win, you sweep one, you get swept the next. It goes up and down very fast. Oh, yeah. And I think once, until you get to that all-star break, then you can make a really fair assessment as to what kind of a chance this team has at getting to the playoffs. Because as I said at the start of this season, when we were 9-3 and three and everybody was going goo-goo-gaga <laughs> over this entire Tigers team thinking we are going to be unstoppable – I said then, it's still early, watch out for Chicago, watch out for Cleveland, and Kansas City, mind you, is still only three games back as of today of the Detroit Tigers. So it's going to be a long way to go. 
Right. You know, I have a question. Uh, Leland, this is his last year on his contract, right? That is correct. Um, do you feel like this team is uh, playing hard for him uh, and selling out, every, you know, selling out every game and, and going hard, or, or maybe, uh, maybe they need to change up uh, the managers? Well, I think that's a question that can be answered, seeing how this season ends. If this team doesn't make the playoffs, then quite frankly, yes, I think there might be a need for change at that point. And he is getting older. This is why he signed. He's 67 years old. This is why he signed a one-year contract, because he himself does not know how long he wants to stay in the game. And he said himself that he wants to stick to one-year contracts from here on out if he wants to be here and if the team wants him here. What, Leland said that? Leland has said this, yes, that he wants one-year contracts you know, from here on out. He, he does not want to sign a multi-year deal because he himself knows he's getting older. And he's not going to want to be a skipper of a ball club unless he can give 100% to that team. And I believe that the team is playing as hard as they possibly can for this guy. I don't doubt that at all. I just do think that this team, they, they, they're trying to figure things out. I, I think they need to go back to a little bit more small ball, move the players over, and, and at, you know, just try to get into a rhythm, try to get, manufacture some runs. And I think everything else will take care of itself. I think Fielder will come around later in the season. I think Pujols is hitting better now for, for the Angels. And uh, I think you're going to see you know, players like that, they're going to they're gonna turn around. It's Tigers team is going to win the division. Um, I always thought, though, as far as Leland has signing a one-year contract, usually I always thought you go two years. This way you don't become like a lame duck manager. I know what you're saying about becoming a lame duck manager, but at the same time, I can, ex- I can appreciate and respect the man who is going to sign a one-year deal, who is going to, real- he's going to realize, I don't want to sign a multi-year deal if I'm not going to be able to give 100% for this team the next season or the season after that and leave the Tigers high and dry come later in the, you know, the offseason. So I do respect that. I do believe this team will win the division. I still think they have it in them to do that. We've seen, honestly, a lot of a lot of glimpses of great talent and great ability. And I say for Prince Fielder, everyone who says, well, we paid him $214 million. <laughs> well, let me tell you, he's coming from the National League, and there is an adjustment period. Yeah, I agree with that. There is, and he's still batting over 300. I know we need, he needs to hit for more power. Don't get me wrong, this guy needs to be smacking that ball out of this park. But again, he play, he's playing at Comerica now. It's tough to hit home runs in Comerica. Yeah, that was one of one of my gripes with Fielder is the is that you know I want to see him hit home runs like his dad did. Well, I think we all do. <laughs> but Paul, I really do appreciate the phone call. All right, happy Memorial Day. Happy Memorial Day to you too. Thank you. All right, bye. Bye bye. But again, looking at the Detroit Tigers, finally, we've seen some home runs get hit. Finally, we've seen some home runs get hit. Miguel Cabrera's home run. Sunday, this is yesterday, against the Minnesota Twins to give us that 4-3 to advantage, was the first home run in 51 innings for the Detroit Tigers. That's 51 innings. That is pretty crazy to think of how, how, how much fire this team has in its bats at times when guys are feeling it. And look, Cabrera hits one home run yesterday. I know this team lost today 7-4, to but we had three home runs today from this ball club as well. Uh, like I said, a late two-run shot from Johnny Peralta. Delman Young had a home run as well. And Quinton Berry, I do want to say that Quinton Berry has been playing some great baseball. Quinton Berry, a young kid coming up here, filling in tough spots of filling at that leadoff. We've talked about how good Austin Jackson has been, and I just really want to say, Quinton Berry, you're doing a heck of a job out there. Quentin Berry, in only six games, 
25 at-bats. This guy is batting 360, has an 869 OPS. He already has two doubles and two RBIs. He's a good base stealer. He, you know, you see him, you know, has three stolen bases in six games. So I have an idea. When Austin Jackson comes back, let's keep Quentin Berry on the roster and let's demote Ryan Rayburn. Let's get Rayburn out of here, send him down to Toledo, and let's keep Quentin Berry. Because Ryan Rayburn is not worth even the, how much it takes me to say his name, he's not worth it. 37 games played, 123 at-bats, and you're batting 146? The guy's got a 420 OPS. He's a major league ball player. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable for a guy playing each day. At least Ramon Santiago can have the excuse of somebody that comes in every other day or comes in late in the game as a defensive replacement. You can have, you can have a little more leeway for a guy like that. Not for a guy like Rayburn who's playing the majority of the games. I'm sick of it. Rayburn, you're terrible. I know we all say he gets good in July. Well, how's that helping this team right now? Because it, quite frankly, is not helping this team whatsoever. But it's great to see Prince Fielder get back on track. He had a very tough series against Cleveland. He went 1-for-12 in that series. You know, 4-for-4 in this game on Saturday with Scherzer. He's been batting very well. Uh, batted very well in this season series against Minnesota. And has batted very well today. So that's very good to see from him. Since this team has started 9-3, and three, the Detroit Tigers are 14-22 and 22 since then. Long way to go. But let's see if this team can get back above 500 because now it's been a win- minute since they have been. Looking ahead briefly for the Detroit Tigers, they will uh, keep up with that Boston series tomorrow. It'll be a 7 o'clock game. That will air on ESPN. Verlander versus Bard should be a very good matchup. Hopefully Verlander can get the Detroit Tigers back on track as he usually has to do. Throw this team on his back and get a win when we need it. Wednesday, it'll be a 7-10 start time. Drew Smiley would take on John Lester. And then on Thursday, another 7-10 ball game. We'll face, face Max Scherzer with Josh Beckett. Should be a great three games left in this series. I'm, looking, I'm very much looking forward to them. And then to finish up the weekend coming up here Friday through Sunday, the team finally gets, uh, is able to come back to Comerica Park. They will face the New York Yankees in a three-game series this uh, Friday through Sunday. Porcello will start that series off against CC Sabathia. We will then see Doug Fister versus Hideki Kuroda. And then we will see Justin Verlander versus Phil Hughes. Should be a good series. And then next week, three games against the Indians again before interleague play kicks off Friday, June 8th at the Cincinnati Reds. So hopefully the Detroit Tigers can start stringing a few wins together against some tough opponents between the Red Sox, the Yankees, and the Cleveland Indians and kind of turn this around and put themselves in better striking distance because I personally believe when interleague play starts, Tigers have always been very good during interleague play, and I think we will see that continue. But what we really need to see is some of the bats in the middle of the lineup. I don't think it's not been Miguel. It's not been Prince. Those guys have been doing it. They're doing their job. I'm saying it's everybody else. It's the Peraltas. It's the Bosch. It's the Delman Youngs. It's the Avilas, the Santiago's, the Rayburns. When Gerald Laird, even in only 16 games, I know it's only 16 games and only, 40, and only 38 at-bats, but when Gerald Laird is hitting way better than Johnny Peralta, Brennan Bosch, Alex Avila, unacceptable. Bottom line, clear-cut, unacceptable. Andy Dirks, he's pulling his weight. Quentin Berry in six games, he's pulling his weight. But the guys that are playing every day, they're not pulling their weight. I'm talking guys in the middle to the end of the lineup. 
until they can start figuring it out, then it doesn't matter if Justin Verlander goes out there and pitches a gem and only gives up two earned because the Tigers only put up one run on the board. Still a loss. All right, we're going to take a quick break here at the Spartan Sports Wrap. When we come back, we're going to dive right into Nick Fairley. DUI, eluding police, no proof of insurance. How does he not have insurance? He just got a four-year contract for $9.9 million. How does he not have State Farm or something? We're going to talk about Nick Fairley, NBA playoffs, NHL, little IndyCar for you. We only got a half hour left, so you are listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. You're listening to Impact Exposure. Smoking Helpline. Yes, I need to start smoking right away. Excuse me? I need to start smoking. Well, actually, it's the Stop Smoking Helpline. The people in the apartment next to mine smoke three packs a day, and it drives me crazy. So I'm thinking four packs will do it. I think you want MySmokeFreeApartment.org. It gives you the information you need to work toward a smoke-free apartment building. A smoke-free building. Without all that smoking. Uh, yeah, that's right. Make your apartment smoke-free without making a stink. MySmokeFreeApartment.org. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Wednesday nights from 8 until midnight, it's the Impact's Accidental Blues, your source for great blues music, news, and concert information. Only on Impact Primetime. Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Muñoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Now back to Impact Exposure. And welcome back here to the Spartan Sports Wrap. Happy Memorial Day to everyone out there. Hope everyone's enjoying the sun and being safe, without a doubt. But we're going to dive right in to the Detroit Lions and Nick Fairley. Nick Fairley, as we can all remember, 13th overall pick in the draft class of 2010. A man that was hampered by a foot injury last season, really didn't get a chance to play all too much. He did play in 10 out of the 16 games, only had 11 tackles and one sack in this season. And excuse me, he was a 2011 uh, draft pick, first pick for the Lions, number 13. Well, he was arrested again. I think we all remember a month ago, this man was arrested for marijuana possession down in Mobile, Alabama, speeding around like an idiot uh, in his Escalade. Well, it has happened again. Uh, Nick Fairley has been arrested in Alabama on charges of driving under the influence and attempting to elude police. Second arrest in two months in his home state. This is an article off ESPN says, quote, Alabama State Troopers say the 24-year-old passed the state trooper early Sunday morning at 100 miles an hour in his Cadillac Escalade in an unincorporated Mobile County. After initially refusing to stop for the trooper's emergency lights and siren, Fairley pulled over and seemed impaired. He was arrested without incident. Fairley also was cited for reckless driving, no proof of insurance, and an open container. Fairley uh, reportedly posted a $1,750 bond and was released shortly after 9 a.m. on Sunday. 
Uh, Lions spokesperson had no call, had no comment. Uh, Associated Press did reach out to them. They have no comment at this time. He was also arrested again back on April 3rd for speeding through a lower middle class neighborhood in Mobile. This is not the first time now he's been arrested. This is number two. Mikel Lashore arrested twice for marijuana possession. Two arrests within a month and a half of each other. He was arrested out in Benton Harbor over there on the west, uh, southwest side of Michigan. Johnny Colbreath, also 2011 draft class, just like LaShore, arrested back in January for marijuana possession. Titus Young, not suspended for the team, but from what articles say, socked Luis Delmas two weeks ago, roughly, at a practice. Sticking on Nick Fairley first. What needs to happen to Nick Fairley? This is his second offense. And if anybody wants to, you go online and check out this mugshot photo. Because Nick Fairley looked like he looks like he's in line for a stack of ribs. He's got a big smile on his face. Nick Fairley doesn't seem to be perturbed in the least that he just got arrested again. Now for a DUI charge. Which I've said before, I personally believe is a much worse thing than a marijuana possession. And I'm not saying that marijuana, that that is a good thing. But I think DUI is very, very dangerous. Very dangerous. And to be driving around under the influence, going 100 miles an hour in almost the neighborhood is very reckless. It's very selfish. When you're 24 years old and you have just gotten a four, four-year contract worth almost $10 million, you're getting this contract and you haven't played a lick of football in the NFL. And I don't have a problem with the contract if you're going to live up to that contract. It's not his fault that he had a foot injury last year. He wasn't that good for us when he did play in those 10 games. I think a lot of that had to do with the foot injury. But 11 tackles, one sack in 10 games, I'm not too impressed with. I know some friends that might get lucky and have a little bit more than that. Who knows? But in all seriousness, what should happen to Nick Fairley? 517-432-3893. Should this guy be kicked off the team? Should we release a first-round first draft pick that we took 13th? Should we suspend him? Because you know Roger Goodell's going to suspend him. You can book that right now. Roger Goodell, I guarantee you, is going to come down and get fairly four games. Maybe more if he thinks that this guy is not going to learn from his mistake. Just as you can expect, LaShore will get a suspension as well. Two-time offenders, you're not going to be able to get off with a probation from the NFL. Roger Goodell is just as much of a police as the police that arrested Nick Fairley in Alabama. They will get suspended. But what should the team do about this? These are three separate guys that have had three separate incidents, actually four combined between Fairley and LaShore, one for Colbreath, and then Titus Young punching a guy in practice. That's six guys from the 2011 draft class that have had problems in the offseason here. What should this team do? 517-432-3893 is the phone number. My take on it, at least with Nick Fairley, he only played one year at Auburn. A lot of teams did have character issues that they had with him, which is why some say he did drop to number 13th in the 2011 draft. I don't like at all what he has done. The marijuana possession, and again, the pure recklessness, pure selfishness, not caring at all how this hinders his team, how this does something and causes a negative light, not only on his team, but even on Detroit. 
This is always plastered all over ESPN, and you know, they'd like to blow it up as much as they can. Lions out of control. Craziness in Detroit. What to do about this? Selfish. Nick Fairley, very, very selfish. That being said, this is a guy that we are paying $10 million. This is a guy also that we took in the first round with our 13th pick. And I say we give the guy one last strike, one last shot. He's going to get a suspension from Goodell. You can guarantee that. He takes that suspension. If he has any other run-in whatsoever with the law, I really don't care if it's drunken disorderly. I don't care what it is. Any other run-in with the law, and then he should be cut from this team. Bottom line, no need to waste any more money or waste any more of the team's time, the coach's time, on a guy that has such an opportunity, has such a privilege to play in the NFL at his age, especially with only one year at Auburn, to have someone take him that high in the draft and then to blow it and then just completely piss it away. One more offense, he's gone, but I don't think we overreact just yet and cut him just yet. He will get that suspension. And we'll see where it goes from there. I have had some other people I've heard that they want to blame Jim Schwartz. We did see it last year, and I even talked about it myself, that maybe he doesn't have a stranglehold, a grasp on the, the a pulse on this team, how to control his guys. But how can you blame Jim Schwartz in the least for guys that go do their OTAs and then on the weekend are allowed to go wherever they want? They can go on a trip. They can go back home, which a lot of them do, as to why Nick Fairley was back in Alabama. Jim Schwartz can't be held accountable for that. The coaches, they can only tell their players what they expect of them. When those grown men, and yes, they are grown men, even if they're 24, 23, go back home, they're out of the control of the team. So maybe Nick Fairley just shouldn't be allowed to go back to Alabama because this has seemed to be where he has his issues. Just as LaShore got arrested twice in Benton Harbor. These guys go back home, they have their weekend fun, and they get in big trouble. And it's really uncalled for. Should not be allowed to happen. But even still, I don't think that you can take a guy like Nick Fairley and just cut him from the team just yet. Not just yet. I don't think you can make that move. I think that we have to wait and see how this plays out. And I want to see some comments from the Detroit Lions team. From Jim Schwartz. From the agents in general. What we think of Nick Fairley. And how much is this guy really going to change? And if they feel that he is dead set in these immature, selfish ways, then maybe you do say goodbye. I say give him one more shot, and then I never want to see his face again. Pretty much bottom line for Nick Fairley, because I'm tired of opening up the Detroit news or the free press and seeing a story like this now it seems like every three weeks. Uncalled for. You just got out of jail, and I tell you, that mugshot is really what annoys me the most. He's got a grin from ear to ear. After being arrested, uncalled for, should not be allowed to happen. Hopefully the Lions organization can get a good, you know, get a good hold on this and take care of it in a timely manner because this team has the potential to, again, make it to the playoffs and maybe make a run in the playoffs. At least you can say for the Detroit Lions, it's not Matt Stafford. It's not Calvin Johnson. It's not Indominus Sewer Nate Burleson. Sue's problems happen on the field, and I'll take that. I'll take dirty player conversations all day, every day. I just don't want to hear about this crap going on outside of the game. And that's what this problem has been. 
I'll, I'll take it on the field, and we can talk about that all day. This is what really annoys me, that I even have to spend any time discussing a man on our team being arrested for his, the second time. We all make mistakes. This guy just doesn't care, it seems like. But if they can get him in line, you give him one more shot, and then, again, I don't want to see you ever again. And you know what? He will not get a shot from many teams either if he continues. One more strike, he's really going to be probably out of this league in many respects. We're going to move on to the NBA playoffs right now. My favorite sport, as if Megan was here, would be bemoaning about the NBA. But I love this sport. The NBA is great, and the playoffs have been, I think, fantastic this year. The Miami Heat closed out the Indiana Pacers this last week to cement a spot for themselves in the Eastern Conference Finals. And then the Boston Celtics had to take on a very tough Very physical 76ers team, well-coached team from Doug Collins in Game 7 on Saturday night, and the veteran Celtics live up to that billing and have a 10-point win over the the 76ers to give themselves a shot to face off against Miami here in the Eastern Conference Finals. Miami and Boston will uh, will go on. Game 1 will be tonight. 8.30 is your tip-off time for Game 1 there. And then in the Western Conference Finals, as I had mentioned earlier, the San Antonio Spurs are taking on the Oklahoma City Thunder. Game one was last night, San Antonio. And even with Oklahoma City having a 10-point lead in the third quarter, a 9-point lead going into the fourth quarter, the Spurs, who are just, like I've said, the best team, hands down in the NBA right now, came back and won their 19th 19th consecutive game to tie the NBA record for the longest winning streak kept alive through the regular season and the playoffs. Absolutely incredible. Greg Popovich deservingly already has won coach of the year. Even behind the 27 points of Kevin Durant, 17 from Westbrook, Westbrook did struggle in this game against the Spurs. The Spurs never lose their cool. They are always even-keeled. Manu Ginobili adding 26 points there for the San Antonio Spurs. Tim Duncan, ancient as he is, still playing good basketball. 16 points, 11 rebounds. And Tony Parker, after a tough start to the game, finishes with 18 points. And the Spurs win their 19th straight game. Who do you have in the NBA Finals? Is it Boston? Is it Miami? Is it Spurs or is it OKC? And not only that, what matchup do you want to see? Because I know what matchup I would want to see. I know a lot of people hate Miami. I know a lot of people hate San Antonio. And I bet you have a lot more people that are probably rooting for something like Boston and OKC. That's just a gut feeling of mine. I'm not trying to speak for anyone out there, but that's probably what a few more people do want to see. But give us a call, 517-432-3893 is the phone number. Let me know what matchup you guys would like to see here in the, in the finals for the NBA. The finals will take place starting June 12th. Again, tonight, 8.30, tip-off time. Game one between the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. And I'm going to give you my picks right now. Who I want and who I don't want. Well, who I want and who I think, I guess, is the better way to frame it. Coming out of the East, I want the Boston Celtics. I want the Celtics to win. I've always been a huge fan of Kevin Garnett. I've been watching his entire career growing up. Same with Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, the truth. You got to love this team. It was a tough loss for the Boston Celtics to lose Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley, a great 
a great guy to come in there at point guard, you know, playing the two guard, especially with Ray Allen, who's been hampered. He hasn't been moving that well. The ankle still not fully back for Ray Allen. Avery Bradley, unfortunately, out for the whole the rest of the playoffs, having surgery on both shoulders last week, defensively and offensively, but more defensively, he will be missed. Who is going to guard Dwayne Wade is the real thing in this Boston uh, Miami series. Dwayne Wade, who has been on an absolute tear, to say the least, in this Pacers series, averaging over 31 points per game in that Pacers series. <coughs> Dwayne Wade and LeBron James, monsters out there on the court. Absolute monsters. Back to back games of scoring 70 plus points between the both of them. Doesn't look like they're missing Chris Bosch too much right now. Chris Bosch, Bosch, who is still out with the strained abdominal muscle, still not sure if he will be back for this Boston series. They're really taking it day to day. They are not sure if he will be back or not. I think it's going to be a hard-fought series. I do think it's going to be a long series. But I'm going to have to go with the Miami Heat. I think we saw them after getting down 2-1 to to the Pacers that they said enough's enough. They said, we're not going out like this. And they came back and they won three straight games to close that series out. I think they will get the Boston Celtics. I think Miami wins this game, wins this series in six. I think it'll be a good series. But when it all comes down to it, I don't think LeBron James and Dwayne Wade are going to allow their team to lose. They are the difference makers. And unfortunately, as it is, Boston is getting older. They are a better defensive team, and that is what is going to keep Boston in this series the whole way through. Boston, hands down, first in the NBA in defense during the regular season, only allowing 98.2 points per game. And they have the best defense in the playoffs, allowing a meager 84 points per game in the playoffs. The Boston Celtics defensively have been lights out. You just wonder if offensively they can keep up with a team like Miami and keep themselves within striking distance in these ball games. I'm going to have to unfortunately go with the Miami Heat in six there. Looking at Oklahoma City and San Antonio, I know a lot of people love Oklahoma City. People have been rallying behind this team for a while. I still wish they were the Seattle Supersonics, but they are not. I will unfortunately have to go with the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs give me no reason to pick against them. Why would I pick against a team that wants 19 straight games? 19, they've swept their first round and their second round. And I don't think, they're not going to sweep the uh, the Thunder. But I would not be shocked if they somehow win in five. That's how good the Spurs are playing right now. At any point, this team can flip a switch and lock down and beat you. And they proved it. I still think this is going to be a longer series. But I'm going to go with the Spurs in six. San Antonio Spurs led with Greg Popovich, the best coach in the NBA, easily. They go as their coach goes, and their coach is as cool as it gets. He never worries. He is never afraid about this team being down. Listening to this game on the radio yesterday, I really thought the Thunder might get the best of them. And before you know it, the Spurs come right back, and they were aggressive, and they put the Thunder right on their heels and I think that I think we're going to see a boss. I think we're going to see, excuse me, a Miami Heat in San Antonio Spurs final. Whether you like that or not, whether you like the teams or not, whether you like LeBron, whether you like the aging Spurs that I think a lot of Detroit Piston fans can say they hate because of 2005 and Robert Ory's shot and all that jazz. But that would be a good series. That might be the best matchup, honestly, for a series. San Antonio, Miami, game one tonight, Boston, Miami, 8.30. Check it out if you want. Should be a good game to kick off the Eastern Conference Finals. 
For the NHL, anyone who at all cares about the NHL out there, the 2012 NHL Stanley Cups are set to begin. The New Jersey Devils are going to be taking on the Los Angeles Kings. Didn't think I'd be saying that when the playoffs began. Not a chance at all. The Devils, a six seed, got the best in six games of the New York Rangers last week. The Rangers falling in overtime, losing 3-2 to two in Game 6. And the Devils are moving on to the Cup Finals. And the Kings bested the Phoenix Coyotes, beating them in five games. The Kings playing very good hockey right now. This is going to be one of your better goalie matchups that you see Throughout, that you've seen throughout most of the playoffs. Jonathan Quick, who in my opinion has been the best goalie in the playoffs up to this point. Jonathan Quick has been an absolute monster. A 1.54 goals against average. Almost a 95% save percentage. Two shutouts and a 12-2 record so far. He's played amazing. Amazing. Okay, And Martin Brodeur, we can't forget about Marty Brodeur. Still a great goalie, and he's proving it at this point, even at his old age. Do you like this matchup? Kings versus Devils? Any hockey fans out there enjoy it? 517-432-3893. Because I'm just curious. This is going to be the first time since 1995 that we're going to have a team that's a fifth seed or higher win the Stanley Cup. The last team to do that was the 1995 New Jersey Devils, and they were a five seed. We're going to have an eight seed versus a six seed. Parity, that's the epitome of parity. When you have an eight seed versus a six seed. That's like taking the Denver Nuggets out there west and having them face off against, oh, let's see, uh, just a, a terrible team out there in the east. It, it doesn't even, it doesn't happen. It never happens in basketball. You'll never see that happen really in football. Rarely, very rarely in hockey it seems to be more the case every time that these lower-seeded teams, ever since that they instituted a salary cap in the NHL in 2005 after the lockout, we've seen the higher market teams not be able to dominate as they have in the past. Before the Detroit Red Wings, even the Colorado Avalanche, the Chicago Blackhawks, Pittsburgh, all these teams could scoop up every good free agent that was out there. And since the salary cap has been instituted, they haven't. And that's why you see a team like the Kings, who have looked very good out there in the finals. I mean, in the playoffs in general, they looked great. You have to give them a lot of credit. Goaltending, a big reason why they've gotten there. Great defense play from the Los Angeles Kings. And you see a lot of the same from the New Jersey Devils. Zach Parise, a guy hopefully the Red Wings can scoop up in the offseason if he's available. Been playing really good hockey. I do think this will be a good series. And I think the fans have thought the same thing throughout the entire playoffs. The NHL playoff ratings are up 44% from last season. 44%. It's a staggering percentage. And this comes from an article that came out two weeks ago. So the percentages might even be higher at this point. There's a few reasons I believe for this. NBC Sports has done a great job. NBC Sports, for all of you, that used to be Versus. NBC Sports bought Versus. Now they're NBC Sports. They've been able to televise all the games. Every game that you want to see is on the air. And I think that is a major reason why people are just more casual fans are tuning into the sport. Not to mention you have had some major market teams in early rounds. The New York Rangers that made it here to the you know Eastern Conference Finals. Los Angeles Kings, even though it's hockey and it's L.A. and they care a lot more about basketball. It's still Los Angeles. It's a major TV market. The Blackhawks being in there. The Philadelphia Flyers. 
Even Washington is a major market here for the NHL. Not to mention there have been many close games, very competitive games. This entire playoffs, we've had a lot of games go to overtime, a lot of series go the distance. Not to mention the fighting. We've talked about fighting on this show before, and fighting is a big reason why the casual fan likes hockey. It just is. If you're a fan of hockey, you like to see fighting in hockey. Let's just be honest here, okay? And I think the fun reason that I've seen here online as to why more people in the United States have gotten behind the 2012 NHL playoffs, not one Canadian team has been a factor. Nobody. Vancouver gets bounced out right away. Ottawa gets bounced out right away. First time since 1976 that in back-to-back years, the Canadians have not, any Canadian team has not made it out of the first round. And trust me, it does say something for the United States that they're just not as interested when Canadian teams dominate as they have in the past. The Montreals, the Torontos, and without a doubt, even the Canucks. The teams that have dominated, they're not there anymore. It's more teams just around the U.S., and I think that as well have gotten people interested in this sport. If you guys do want to call in any more about the NHL, phone number is 517-432-3893. guys can still call in about anything else. We talked NBA playoffs, Tigers baseball, and Nick Fairley, or as I like to say, the new episode of Cops that's coming out very soon. But we're going to move on to the Indy 500. Not much time left, but I just have to revel in being able to go to this event for the first time in my life. I was able to go down to Indianapolis with a couple friends, and we went to the Indy 500. And I want to tell you right now, as being a very, very new race fan, and not really NASCAR. I, I've given NASCAR the college try, and I just don't care that much for it. Uh, I don't find it that exciting. But IndyCar, I think, is a different monster. The, I think the cars honestly look a lot better. They go a lot faster. And I like the personalities more in IndyCar than in NASCAR. And that's really anybody that's going to be interested in a sport. That is what's going to dominate that. Do you enjoy the characters and personalities of the sport that you watch? This is why the casual fan can get behind a sport like the NBA, because they know who LeBron James is. They know who Dwayne Wade is. They know who Kevin Garnett is. You, you, know, you know these guys. Even if you don't care for the sport much, you know the, peop, you know the players that are there. I think a lot of people have a hard time with IndyCar because you do have a lot of foreigners. You do have a lot of people that you're just not familiar with. But let me tell you, IndyCar is great. And that Indy 500 was an amazing race. Dario Franchitti wins his third Indy 500 here, winning in another amazing final lap lap to Kumosato, who was second place driving there for uh, Letterman's team, tries to make a pass on the final lap on the on turn four on the white line and loses it, makes little contact with Dario Franchitti, spins out into the wall. Dario Franchitti wins his third Indy 500. His teammate Scott Dixon finishes second, and his friend Tony Kanan gets third. Three really good friends winning the Indy 500. Very incredible for Dario Franchitti. I've been told that you don't know what it's like to hear a race, to smell a race, to be at a race until you're there, and I always kind of just shrugged it off. It's like, yeah, what are you talking about? A race is a race. How loud can these cars be? You know, how exhilarating, how exhilarating can it really be? I've seen it on TV. It doesn't look too special. Well, let me tell you, I was sitting in the infield around turn two. More people than you can imagine at this event. Over 300,000 people this whole weekend. I mean, Indianapolis is absolutely busting at the seams this weekend. And I will tell you, when the engines were fired up, and they made that first lap around at 215 miles an hour, hitting speeds of 220, 
you get goosebumps. If you've never heard that kind of sound, if you've never been around something like that, it's really unexplainable, as people have told me in the past. And I'm just happy I had a chance to experience that. We had a great race around turn uh, when they make their uh, trip around turn two, heading into turn three. And then there's a gigantic uh, screen, basically a huge TV that you can watch the rest of the race on as if you were watching the race. Not to mention you have a loudspeaker with the announcer telling you absolutely everything that's going on. So you can see everything. You can follow everything. It was an amazing race. This is the second time that we've had a crash on the final lap of the Indy 500. Last year, J.R. Hildebrand crashed on turn four, and Dan Weldon won the race. And there was a very, very nice silence for Dan Weldon. Dan Weldon, who passed away, unfortunately, in the Las Vegas race of last year, when he basically hit a back tire, his car went airborne, and his car went into the catch fence. Dan Weldon, a very young man, only 31 years old when he did pass away. So it was a very emotional race for a lot of these drivers, and it was a race that lived up to all the hype, in my opinion. And for all of you people out there that question whether you could get into IndyCar, whether you could get into something like this, give it a try. There, This year, 11 road courses, 5 ovals. Well, I know a lot of people say, oh, they're just going in circles. That's why people have a problem with NASCAR more of the times. They race on more ovals. There's 11 road courses this season for IndyCar. They're going to be traveling to Belle Isle, This next week, first time that it's coming back to Belle Isle in four years. They're bringing the race back there. It will be, it will air at 3.30 Sunday. So if you want to, if you want a chance to see something, the race will be at Belle Isle this Sunday. Head down to around Detroit, and you can get a glimpse of a pretty darn good sport. And let me tell you, if you've never been to the Indy 500, the Indy 500 is a spectacle. You can't even imagine it until you are there, without a doubt. Congratulations, Dario Franchitti, being able to drink the milk and win his third Indy 500. He is in great company with that. Uh, Rounding out the rest of the top ten, Oriol Servia took fourth. Ryan Briscoe, who had won the pole position, took the fifth spot. James Hinchcliffe won sixth. Justin Wilson was seventh. Charlie Kimball, eighth. Townsend Bell, ninth. And Elio Castroneves, who was pretty much a non-factor the whole race, he finished tenth. And Marco Andretti, who led 59 laps of this 200-lap race, uh, really did not have a good finish at all. Marco finishes 24th. He still was in contention in this race, but really when it came down to it, had to make a couple pit stops because of car trouble and fell back really late in the pack. The one, the last important thing about Dario Franchitti that if anyone saw this race or saw highlights knows, he got spun out in pit lane very early, around lap 15, lap 16. He was all the way back in 29th and came from 29th all the way back to win this race. Very impressive from the Target Chip Ganassi team and the Honda engine. Congratulations to the Honda team and the Chip Ganassi team for winning this race because Will Power had won the previous three out of four races, and now this gives Honda just a little glimmer of a chance to finally be in contention for the championship. Uh, In the final news for everyone, Roger Federer ties Jimmy Connors for the open era wins record in Grand Slam events. Roger Federer has won his 233rd match in Grand Slam events. That encompasses all the four major ones, the Australian Open, the French Open, Wimbledon, and the U.S. Open. Roger Federer, one of the greatest tennis icons of our time and one of the greatest players uh, of all time, 
easily. Uh, is has uh, is, is won his first round match there in the French Open. Congratulations to Roger Federer. And again, if you guys want to catch out that French Open, it is airing on ESPN. I do want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in today. Uh, we will have a brand new show for you next week. And again, I hope everyone out there has a fantastic Memorial Day. Be safe. God bless. Hope you guys have a great night. You are listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.